All right. First Corinthians chapter 15. Subject Paul is talking about is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of us. Yay. Love that. Chapter 15, it begins with an exhortation by Paul for the church to remember the gospel that he preached to them and on which they've taken their stand. If you have said yes to Jesus, if you said, make me a new creation, what happened is you put your faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is the foundation for your life from then forward. That is what you live on. So Paul goes to explain what the, what the, what the gospel is, is that Jesus died for your sins, for my sins, according to the scriptures. We can read verses like Isaiah 53 and, and Psalm 22 and all these other verses uh, all throughout the Old Testament. It talks about Jesus dying for our sins. And that says that we have sins that need to be died for. Amen? And uh, basically, uh, the Lord loves us so much, He knows that He doesn't change, and so sin has to be punished. How is it going to be punished? Well, through wrath and eternal separation through Him. And so what happened is He loved us so much that He said, I don't want you to go through that. I'm going to make a way. And He sent His Son, Jesus, who bore the wrath of God on our behalf. Amen? Through faith, we avoid wrath, and not only do we avoid wrath, but we actually get what Jesus had as his sonship. We're now adopted into the kingdom of God through faith. And so it's not only that he died for our sins, but then he rose again. He died and was buried, like all of us will, but not only that, he conquered death, he rose again. So three things, he died for our sins according to Scripture, he was buried according to Scripture, and he rose again on the third day, because if he didn't rise again on the third day, Paul's point is what? So what? We all die. But Jesus has power over death. We all die for a reason. We all die because we're sinners. And that is the Bible's answer to why die. Ask the world, why do we die? Oh, it's natural. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's natural, all right? It's natural when you sin to die. And we all have sinned. All will die. And Jesus Christ gives us life. So when we come to Jesus Christ, we put our faith in him. That is the gospel, that he died and he rose again. And just as we die, we shall rise again as well. And Paul will go into some audibles there, that not all shall die. Some will be changed in a moment, a twinkle of an eye, which I hope would happen right now. But the gospel explains that Jesus died for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. And Paul spends chapter 15 explaining that an attack on the resurrection is an attack on the foundation of the gospel in their lives. You can't have salvation without the resurrection. It's it's essential to our faith. And so when Paul sees this being attacked in the church, he comes and starts to address it. He spends a whole chapter doing it. Paul gives many consequences for denying the resurrection, but the, the, the main ones are that if there was no resurrection, then Jesus did not rise from the dead. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, the gospel's not true. The gospel they believed in was a lie. Their faith was futile. They're believing in something that was not true. They're all still in their sins. We're all still in our sins and have no hope of forgiveness or eternal life and might as well live like hell. Right? That's Paul's point. What are we doing as Christians, why do we live lives that are separate from the world? Why don't we just live like them? 
What's with the holiness? Why do I experience persecution? Like that woman this week in Kansas who stands up and says, you know what, my God is more important than your God. And I will not endorse what God does not endorse. And she stands, and guess what happens? She gets persecuted. Regardless of what you feel, she had a conviction that I have to honor the Lord. And I, I, I strongly feel that Paul was taking stands in a society that was totally anti-gospel. And he was getting persecuted. because why even go through this? Why do I go through this if there's no me standing before the Lord? If there's no, uh, if there's no judgment, if there's no reward, why, why would I do this? You see, Paul was living with that eternity on his heart and his mind, the resurrection that I will stand before him one day. And that's very important. And that's why what many of the people in Corinth were doing, they're living as if this life is it. And they would not stand before God. And that's what atheism tells us. That's what a lot of these theisms tell us, right? <laughs> Anti-theisms. Just live for today. It's all done when you're done. But he says in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead and is the firstfruits of many who will be saved. Now, what does that mean? I'm just briefly going over kind of what we already went over. First fruits, they would know that. They have all these different, um, uh, different ways of worshiping the Lord. It's prescribed in the Old Testament. What they would do is when, when the harvest started to come, they'd take the first things that were ripe and they'd lay it before the Lord as an offering. You get the first, you get the best, and it was symbolizing that there's a lot more that was coming, but I'm giving you the first. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, and there's a lot more that would rise from the dead after him. He's the first fruit of the resurrection. And then he explains that death came through one man, Adam. In the same way, eternal life, the resurrection of the death came through one man. You know, we're all connected to Adam. Adam sinned, and therefore we got his DNA. It runs through our, our, as our, through our veins, and as I explained last week, you know, we don't have to tr- train our children in evil. That's just natural. Where do they learn that? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Where did I learn that? Hey, how you doing? It just happens. It's natural, but training in righteousness, oh my goodness. Yeah. Death came through one man, Adam. But in the same way that death came through Adam, it was translated, it was infused. He says the same way eternal life comes through Jesus. Jesus is the life giver, not the death giver. Amen? That's amazing thought there. That's, that's something to hold on to. And so the resurrection of the dead comes through one man, Jesus Christ. And so Paul warns them in verse 33 that these people who were proclaiming that there's no resurrection, they're corrupting them. They're corrupting them. And Paul tells them to come back to their senses and to stop sinning by believing these people. And so the resurrection is our hope that just as Jesus died and was buried and rose again, so, uh, so we will die and be buried and rise again. And again, if Jesus did not rise... Just like any, he's just like any other man, like any other prophet, like any other teacher, like any other televangelist, whatever you want to say. Uh, they go in the grave and that's it. They don't have power over death, but Jesus does. And this eternal life is given by grace. How do we receive eternal life? And this is, these are fundamentals. But how do you receive eternal life? It is by grace, through faith, that Jesus died on your behalf 
and he has the power to raise you again. Amen? How do I earn that? You don't. You receive. He did it on your behalf, and that's God's love. And that's our hope. That's the foundation. When that starts getting messed with, that's another gospel. And Paul gets all, gets really, you know, he attacks that. This is another gospel. So you get people in the fellowship to say, oh yeah, I believe Jesus died for my sins, but ah, resurrection, no. Well, that's not the gospel. You get a group of people that do Jesus and, or whatever it is. It's like, that's not the gospel. Paul comes in and says, no, this is the gospel. It's very simple. Very simple. It's the foundation on which we stand. Faith in the death of Jesus according to the scriptures. Faith that he was buried. Faith that he rose again on the third day. And he has the same power to do all in us. Forgive our sins and raise us on the third day. Praise the Lord. Or raise us at the last day. And so, Paul is saying the resurrection is essential. It's foundational. Along with the death of Jesus, it's the gospel. It's the good news. And it's being attacked. And their argument against the resurrection is what Paul starts with in verse 35. So let's quickly, in the next half hour, quickly go over these things. And their argument against the resurrection, Paul states in verse 35. And this is why it's rhetorical. He says, But some will ask, How are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! There are no stupid questions, but apparently this is one of them. <laughs> now he's not telling them. He's, he's ta- that, was, that was what the false teachers were saying as a reason why they did not uh, believe in the resurrection. And, and you can see this. This is a total intellectual argument. It's an intellectual argument. Amen? How are the dead raised? I mean, nobody is raised. Look around you. Amen? Like, it just doesn't happen. With what kind of body are they going to come back, you know? <laughs> Keep telling me, preacher. This is very funny. And Paul says, how foolish. So he's giving a, a sharp reprimand to those who are talking that way. And how we run into people who say, uh, you know, because it's not science, it's not true. And I, and I love that. I love that. I was talking to my cousin on Facebook the other day, and we had this glorious discussion. And it was, it was a respectful discussion, but, you know, he would, he would lay down arguments, and I would answer arguments, and then also, you know, and it was just a neat exchange. But quite often there are people who are just dogmatic. If it's not scientific, it can't be proven. See you later. And I go, great. So let's go 150 years ago, and you take that same stance so let me ask, tell me about, you know, strong nuclear and the, the strong and weak nuclear forces. They don't exist, correct? You know, how much do we now know in science that we did not know before? The world is what? Flat? No, it's round. Even the Old Testament said it was round, but there, yeah, we got a flat age there. Things that have evolved in science, and I'm not saying that there aren't great questions. I don't want to, I, I love it when people think. I love it when people think. But quite often, it's just a very simple, because you can't see it, it doesn't happen. You know, you are living in loony land. When I say it takes the same amount of faith, if not more, to believe some of the things that science are saying. And I, and, and I just want to throw one controversial topic out there. What, no matter where you land on it, <clears throat> global warming, right? 
we're, we, it's because of our cars and all these things, and no doubt China's doing crazy stuff, and we've had, so I don't want to dismiss that. But I'm thinking that the cavemen had a problem with global warming because we should have glaciers all around us right now, but they had too many. They were driving around on their Flintstone mobiles and melting the glaciers that are all in North America. What happened? You know, so I mean, there's, there's on, I'm, come on, I'm being facetious. There's questions, right? Questions that I have. The age of the universe, you know? How old is something? I love those questions. How, how old is the earth? How, it's that, that rock is 400 million years old. Well, and, and you go to carbon radio dating. Anybody does that stuff, and you find out, well, the half-life of that is 75. Or four, they can find 40,000, 40, 50,000 years out how old something is possibly. But that's as far as it goes. What do you do beyond that? Well, you have to go to other isotopes that are, never mind, I don't want to get into all this stuff. It's a guess. And you have to extrapolate at the end of it a very educated guess based on what you see, what you think might happen. And I was talking and I said, well, what's the age of the universe? You know, we know that it's 14 billion years old. And I'm like, that is awesome. I said, well, I'd I'd like to know that because what, what, what do we base that upon? Time is relative, right? And I said, well, I wonder how old the age of the universe would be in a black hole. I wonder how old the age of the universe is when I'm on the other side of the universe. I'm just saying, there's, it, it takes, we, we, we have a certain point of view, and God is talking about stuff from eternity. He says, you will be resurrected. You will, these things will happen. And we're going, no, they won't, from this dimension, this plane. And yet he's given us all the way from the end, and the, from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end of Scripture, prophecies that declare from the, from the very beginning of time what would happen at the end, and they keep one by one by one by one by one by one. They all come true. So much so that people are going, no, they, this book must have been rewritten. And the Lord is telling us, I see time from the beginning and the end, and this is what is going to happen. And whatever Jesus says happens. Jesus speaks. What happens with the demons? They come out. Jesus says, hey, well, wind and waves be quiet, and it happens. He says, you're healed. What happens? You're healed. He says, your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. He says, you'll be raised from the dead, you'll be raised from the dead. And that's his point. We put all our trust in his word. And it is faith. And it's being attacked by common sense things in verse 35. But some will say, hey, well, how are the dead raised? Well, what kind of body will they come from? So now Paul's going to give his defense. This is how foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. So he's taking a natural example and giving us a spiritual answer. He says, what... You have, he says, uh, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. We know this is a principle in farming, correct? When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, uh, that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or something else. I don't know how, I mean, it's possible, but you don't take a whole oak tree, put it in the ground, and get an oak tree. That's what his point. What do you do? You take acorn, right? right? You put it in the ground and it, and it grows. But God, he gives it a body as he determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. Verse 39, not all flesh is the same, but people have one kind of flesh and animals have another, another and birds have another and fish have another. Not according to science. We all came from the one, one place, right? You are a fish. Verse 40, 
There are also heavenly bodies, and there are also earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. Even within heavenly bodies, just talking about like planets. Is, is, have you seen the pictures of, of Pluto lately? Uh, they, they, you know, they shot something up. I don't know what it was, and it was like real high-tech imagery back then. It was eight years ago, 2008 they shot it up. I can't remember. And it's like a, you know, it was cutting edge. It was like a three-megapixel camera or something on this trillion-dollar thing flying through space. And they have these amazing high-resolution images of Pluto, and you just look at it, and you go, wow. That thing's been spinning around for how long? Who knows what? How beautiful it is. You know, you just, it has its own splendor. And I was, I was looking at, uh, you know, the, the original tapes of them uh, landing on the moon. And they step on the moon for the first time. The unedited one, we always get one small step. Well, there was a bunch of stuff before that and after that. You watch that whole, they're only on there for two and a half hours. It was, it was an awesome video. And you watch this and, and they're just talking about the, 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 the the describing what it's like on there and, and their feet. And, and, and then you see the earth rise and you see the glory of the earth and the glory of the sun and the glory of the moon. So different bodies have different types of glory is what he's explaining. Have, there's heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies, and obviously he's talking about angels and, and us, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon has another and the stars another and stars differ from star in splendor, do they not? That's amazing. How would Paul know this? Verse 42. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. We have to get that into our minds. Earthly things are planted. Different things come up different splendor of different types of things, so it will be in the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is what? It's perishable. How many of you have canned goods in your food cellar from like 1960? (laughs) Don't eat that. (laughs) It's perfectly good. (laughs) There's an idea behind it. It's perishable, right? This is perishable. Well, the bodies that we have right now, have anybody of you experienced this? Do you feel like your expiration dates are kind of need to be re-upped or anything? No, you guys are awesome. <laughs> the body that is sown is perishable, but is raised imperishable. Take a column, put two sides, put body now, body later. Body now, we got what? Perishable. Body then, imperishable. Next one. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. Feeling more dishonorable as the days go on? <laughs> you know, I look at like my son and my daughter's skin, and I just look at them, and I go, man, that's just, that is it. They're just like glowing and flawless, and I'm looking at my hands going, man, those, if I multiply this by, you know, it's, I'm going to have old hands like I, I already do. Put lotion on it. It just ain't going to do it. (laughs) Perishing, dishonored hands. Yeah, it's just not going great. Too much time in the Southern California sun. But it's going to be raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. 
How many of you are feeling weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker? That's what's happening. We are perishing. We are dishonored. We are weakening. We are, I hope to depress you. You are, we're going down. It's just, you know, it was great for a second. But the day we were born, guess where we're going? We're aging fruit. It is. I want to make this imagery clear. It's raised in power. Right? You're sown in weakness. You're sown in weakness. We're all coming to that point in our lives. Where we're sown in weakness, we're put into the ground. The body, there's nothing strong, there's nothing glorious, there's nothing um, honorable about a dead body. It's the opposite of all these things that the Lord is describing here through Paul. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. Raised in power. Raised in power. Just think about this. The weakness that you feel, other way around. Raised in power. How many of you like to wake up in the morning going, Raw! No need for coffee. Coffee, that's for n- earthlings. You know what I mean? Raised in pa- power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. Now we praise God for our natural bodies. And these in these clay and earthen vessels is where the Holy Spirit resides. But this isn't the permanent home. This is our you know, fifth wheel. We're we're not here permanently. He wants to get this into our, our head and our minds. It's sown a natural body. Your natural body is going to go into the ground, but it's going to be raised a spiritual body. He says, if there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. This is the idea. You take a seed, you put it in the ground, but not what you put in the ground is not what comes up. When you die, that is not what is going to be raised. It's going to be different. It's going to be spiritual. Will it take a form? Sure. Will it look like you are? According to Scripture, it seems very much like that. But it's not going to be the same in many ways. Propensity to sin is gone. No dying. Suffering. These things are are removed. How many of you would enjoy that? How How many of you would like to remember things? I'd like to remember selective things, you know, but I'm just saying, you know what I mean? A spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last man, Adam, the last Adam, which is Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The first man, Adam, was a living being. And and the last man, Adam, Jesus Christ, is is a life-giving spirit. The spirit did not come first, but the natural and after that, the spiritual. He even takes a picture of Adam. Adam was a natural man. But what happened after him? Jesus, the spiritual man. The first man, verse 47, was of the dust of the earth. The second man is of heaven. 
As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is, as is the heavenly man, so are also those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. Just as we are totally connected to Adam and have experienced all the things that Adam has experienced, so we are now connected to the second Adam, Jesus Christ, through faith, and we have, by faith, all the things that the second Adam has. Life, eternal, resurrection, power, promises, sonship, daughtership. Amen? All yours in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Trading the old Adam for the new Adam. Amen? I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is very important. John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who came to him at night, right? And it's, it's, it's a deep discussion. A man who loves God, he sees Jesus working the miracles, and he goes, I think you're from God. And Jesus starts to explain to him that unless you are born again, you can't see, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And here's this wise teacher who's schooled in all these ways. He goes, what are you talking about? I can't enter into my mother's womb again. What in the world are you talking about? He's thinking naturally. And Jesus is saying, unless you are born again, you have no capacity to enter the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood is not going to enter the kingdom of God but only the spiritual person will enter the kingdom of God as his point. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound, the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. And so the question is, well, when does this happen? How does this happen? At the resurrection, at a moment in time when this happens. And Paul is pointing to the last trump. What is that? Well, scholars debate. If you believe that you wait through the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation, this would be the last trump of the seven judgments, or the seven-trump judgment, right? And some believe that. Some believe Second First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, that this is the trump of God that starts everything. And it's, so you, you know, it's at the beginning. There's a rapture at the beginning. So the church is kind of divided as to when that happens. But the point is, there's going to be a trump, and guess what happens? You're going to be changed. When? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And he's saying, not all of you will sleep. Not all of you will die. Not all of you will experience this death. But some of you will what? Boom, be changed in a moment. The Lord will shout. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says that he's going to come with a shout with the voice of the archangel and he'll descend, but he's not coming to earth yet for some reason. And he says those who are, who, who, who are dead in Christ shall rise and those of us who will remain are going to go and meet them in the air and together we will be with the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And so guess what's going to happen when this trump happens? Boom, those who you have loved, if we are still here remaining on the earth, who have gone before you in the Lord, what is happening? They're 
boom, they're, they're reunited, they're resurrected, there's a new body for them. They are met in heaven or in the clouds to meet Jesus. We meet them, and, and we're all together. So the very first people you're going to see, the people who you've loved in the Lord that have gone before you, amen, and we will be together, and we will meet the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love those verses. So he says it's a mystery. It's something you don't know, but we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. So is it going to be like a 12-minute conversion? How, how fast do you blink your eyes? It's faster than that. It's twinkling of an eye. Boom. I would really like to go from this world to the next that quickly, wouldn't you? I, I, Lord, please, you know, just twink. You're like, whoa, yeah. Raised in power, no coffee, you know, the whole thing, right? That's not what I'm going to be thinking about. Who cares about coffee? And flash and twinkle of an eye at the last trump. For the trump will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable. Imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. When is death swallowed up in victory? At the resurrection. At the resurrection. That is when death has been followed up with, uh, has been swallowed up by victory. When you are clothed with your new body. When you're clothed with your heavenly body. That is when death is done. Because where does sin reside? It resides in your flesh. It's who we are. Connected to Adam. That's why you have this war of the flesh and spirit. Romans will get there. And so he, he wants to make this point. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your, it was your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The sting of death is sin. We know that we're going to die because we're sinners. That's the point. The sting that happens over and over and over in our lives, that's sin. And that leads us to a point. Why do we sin? Because there's God's holy law that says do not sin, and yet we do it. Why do we do it? Because we're sinners and we're, we're going to experience death. And that's the cycle we're in. God's law points out, don't go over 55 because I don't go over 55 because it is glorious not to go over 55. Just, just play with me for a second, okay? Don't do it. And we go 56, 57, 58. And we just, we do it. It's in us. We can't help it. Don't touch the wet paint. I want it to. So we touch the wet paint. Don't lie. We lie. It is who we are. But see, Jesus took the stinger out of the bee. He took the sting for us. And now the bee can threaten us all at, uh, at once. What happens with the stinger when the stinger is removed from a bee? The bee dies. Jesus took the stinger for us. He took the, the, the sting of sin, the sting of pain. He put our sin upon him. And now we go free. It doesn't make a difference. Look at that. Ah, you can threaten me all you want. Death. 
But guess what? As that day approaches, guess what? That's just going to be one day closer to me to be with Jesus. One day closer. I have nothing to fear. And yes, it is fearful. I don't want to explain that it's to minimize that. But what Paul is saying is where we have to put our hearts and our minds, not what our flesh is telling us. We have to wrestle with the Lord and say, Lord, did you not take away the sting of death? Did you not say that when the moment this body gives up that I will be in your presence forever and ever and ever and that I will be clothed with that eternal body? Did you not say that? Death, shut up. Jesus, speak on. How we need that. Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. We've talked about that in Galatians. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Because of all this, stand firm. Because Jesus has died, because he has rose again, because you will die, you will rise again, so to speak. Uh, whether we die or not, whether we're translated in a second or not, um, is yet to be seen. But because of the power of Christ in your life, stand firm. This is, this is essential. It goes back to 15 verse 1. This is in which you take your stand. Don't let people move you and see what was happening. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And here's the the practical application. But always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. When we live lives without focusing with our hearts and our minds upon Jesus as we talked about in communion, without hearts and minds that are focused on that, that eternal life with him, We live in a way that is not fully devoted to the work of the Lord. The things of the world are our work. The things of the flesh are our work. We sow into things that are not eternal. We sow into things. We we start living like Corinthians. Amen? And Paul's saying the antidote isn't just do the right thing. It's put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes back on the hope. Put your eyes back on the eternity, back on the promises, back on the king, back on his love, back on his truth, back what he's called you to do, and all these other things will work out. We stand on the gospel. And so for us, we need to know that we are called to give our hearts fully to the work of the Lord. What is the work of the Lord? The work of the Lord is to do his will, and that is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go with whatever we do and to love one another with our whole hearts. Those are the works of God. Pretty powerful stuff. Pretty powerful stuff. And they both flow from glorifying God. And this is what the elders and I, we've been talking about. Yes, we are talking. Yes, we're meeting again tomorrow. Pray for us. To glorify the Lord is, is the chief thing in a human being's existence. As Christians, you live to glorify God. How does that look? Through love and obedience. To love him is to obey him. And to obey him is to love him. And what does he tell you to do? To love one another. There's a lot of other things he tells us to do. How do you love one another? How does that work out? We're going to talk about this more. 
You're hanging out with one another. You're praying for one another. You're looking for each other, one another's needs. What, is the love of go- what does the love of God look like to the world? It looks like the gospel. It looks like Jesus feeding people and then feeding them spiritually, does it not? There's a lot of things all tied there, but it's all focused on his will, on the kingdom. And so stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know what? Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What does that mean? It means you will be rewarded. He's looking, he's watching, he's evaluating, he's keeping track of all those things you have done for him. He is not forgetting. I love how he's forgetful with sins. Uh, don't you? Oh, forgot about that one, Matt. Uh, you don't need to bring that up. See ya. Dealt with. Remember the, the cross? Yeah. But remember back when, when you were on the steps of that place and you shared with that person that was just at that one thing? I'm like, I have no recollection of that. He's like, I do. And here's your award. Praise the Lord. Remember how you loved that person who was in the hospital way back when and how you, you, know, you brought them food? How you visited this person? How you helped that person on the side of the road and whatever it was? You remember that? No, I don't. I do. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Not in vain. So let us be a church that continues to love deeply and to labor for the Lord. Labor implies work, does it not? (laughs) So let's praise him. Father, we want to thank you so much for your word. We ask that the resurrection would not be moved from our life. We ask that... uh, the truth of your gospel would be the foundation from which we spring forward. We ask that our hope would be firmly planted in heaven and then as a result, our actions on this earth would reflect that hope. So Lord, empower us to work fervently for you, to labor in the fields that you've placed us in with the different giftings and the different callings. Help us to step out in new areas of faith, Lord, and just to enjoy you day after day. Pray for your abiding presence with our church, Lord, and that you would just uh, pour it out. In the name of Jesus, amen.